Post is like they put a post. Like when you have a letter, like a missive of some variety, and you want to get it to somebody that isn't near you. <laughs> Dear Penthouse Forum, I wanted to inform you of an encounter that I had <laughs> with a most enticing M&M. <laughs> with that rap, there's yeah, no one to rap, going yeah. up. No yeah. one, no green M&M 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 rant. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody cares about the green M&M. Nobody cares about the <laughs> green M&M. I just, this is, that's my zen place now. Like when I feel like yeah. my life is out of control. You just I, fantasize about the green M&M. I just think about people who want to fuck the green M&M and I feel like, okay, whatever is wrong with my life <laughs> will pass and is not irreparably damaged. Like green M&M people, you guys are irreparable. So oh, like, yeah. like yeah, I really You can't said in the last works. episode... That you were fine with the green M&M people. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm fine with them. They're just the worst. No, it's just like... (laughs) They're irredeemably fine. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, also something that I shout out at at people on the street. You're irredeemably fine. (laughs) I was was with my dad yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Not that kind of fine. Oh, okay. And... He, we were walking together and so we walked by someone who was texting on their phone and he just went, are you calling me right now? Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm right oh, here. God. It was upsetting. It's so good. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> oh, welcome to the show, everybody. Thanks. Welcome. Uh, I'm your host, Asher Lack. With me are my co-hosts, Dr. Alan Sussman. Hello. The Honorable Sam Lazarus. Where? And there is <laughs> no one in our fourth chair today. Um, no. We've been abandoned by Raphael Ruttenberg ESQ. Uh, yeah. Yeah, we got a trio episode. Uh, and this week we're talking about Gattaca. Um, Andrew Nichol, 90s, genetic engineering, Ethan Hawke. Some space travel. Some space travel. That's kind of randomly. Fashion. Yeah, a little bit of light. Weird fashion. Gore like Vidal. Sort of ac- anachronistic. Yeah, 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 right. I like that a lot. There's yeah. a lot of cars in this movie that I really want to own. Mm. I The aesthetic of this movie, so we're just jumping right in. <laughs> oh. I don't know. The did as- did, you did I even say the name? First? Gattaca. You said it. Yeah. I did? Okay, cool. I don't know. I mean, the aesthetic of this movie was amazing, right? Totally, yeah. It's good. I love it. It's good. Yeah. It's it, like noir-ish, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's got noir. Everybody sort of looked like the cover of that Kraftwerk album. I can't remember <laughs> which one. It's all not Trans Europe Express, but it's like, you know, the Man Machine or something oh, like that, yeah. where it's like all four of them and they're wearing suits and they look, we are such jolly good boys. I'm a big fan of the architecture in the movie, actually. Yeah, yeah, a yeah lot me of too. brutalist stuff going on and big glass expanses. And I, this movie, I will say, was so close to being perfect as far as I, I think... If it wasn't for the last like 20 minutes, which obviously we're going to get mm-hmm. into, this might be my favorite movie that we've watched for the podcast was, so far. Really? It was one of my favorites when it came out. I remember watching it several times and really thinking it was a life-changing <laughs> moment for me. Good time. <laughs> yeah. Irredeemably okay. Yeah. I, I sort of remember like, because I, I think I saw this movie too, but I couldn't remember like what it was about really. Like I knew that it was about genetic engineering sort of. But I couldn't remember like what the message was. It's really 
And then I realized the reason is that it's kind of unclear. The movie's a bit messy, yeah. I think. I think it's more subtle than unclear. Yeah, I think it's... <laughs> <laughs> asshole <laughs> um <Thanks. laughs> yeah it's not it it's not coming down with one overt message necessarily i mean there's a few things that it's yeah, but kind it's of, also sort of it's also about space travel kind of like it's just about of. a couple different things i mean space travel here is like a metaphor really for like reaching a, a world where he is free to be himself you know because they never mm. you don't really know why they're going to titan you don't know how you don't know what this company does. You don't know anything yeah. about yeah. that aspect of the story, really. How he could get there and back in a year and accomplish anything meaningful. Right. We all came down pretty positively on the thing. I mean, no, I think it's I pretty really good. I don't know. I, 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 I'm a little mixed on it. You're actually. skeptical? Alan? Yeah. What the hell, man? <laughs> what didn't you like? I think it's probably mostly the way it ends, the last 20 minutes. Yeah. 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 The last yeah, 20 yeah, minutes really sure. fuck this movie up. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that like is amazing about sort of 90s sci-fi is that they have all of these movies that are profoundly world-buildy that they spend a ton of movies on or money on sets for and like a ton of development and then they just let them be as one-offs which like we would never have that now yeah i love that yeah you mean, I, like no sequel yeah. yeah like no sequel and like you know especially dark city this movie starship troopers to some extent but I guess it did have them. sequels. They're like direct to TV or direct yeah. to video or something. They yeah. were just garbage. Yeah, it just seemed like so kind of amazing that that wasn't really a concern or a goal of the studios at the time. Mm. And now it's just like, well, how can we franchise this? Like then it was yeah. like, can we get action figures? No. Okay, let's move on. Yeah, I don't know. Should we break the plot down? Are we getting into it that soon? I just like, was there anything I, else? I mean, you know, I don't care about the plot breakdown. I care about what Alan didn't like about the movie. Well, I think we we're going to get gonna, into that. Yeah, we're going to explore we that to through the plot. Well, okay, yeah, because like people <laughs> kind of have to know what happened in the movie. And again, like, yeah, it's like specific things. Yeah, is this movie worth watching unspoiled? Like, if you were listening to this mm-hmm. podcast and you haven't seen this one, like, is this one of the movies where you go, like, hey guys, like this is actually a really good movie and like it's worth seeing. But it's worth seeing spoiled base, and... I would suggest against doing that. Yeah, yeah. Stop right? Stop listening now. Yeah, watch okay. the movie and never come back. <laughs> That's what I People are just going to turn it off because they're going to be like, I want to watch this movie first and then never watch it and also never listen to this episode. Yeah, you're totally That's right. That's what everyone will do. Yeah, okay. So keep listening to the episode. <laughs> Except for people who've seen it already. Right. Yeah, recently. <laughs> yeah, recently. Recently. Thanks Most for, people don't remember this movie yeah, either. Yeah, right? I don't think we have a lot of fans who are like, oh my God, they announced they're doing Gattaca. I have to watch that. Like nobody's doing their homework for this show i mean we barely are yeah um, i watched the movie yeah that's pretty exciting i mean i think i looked up some critical stuff on it oh, yeah. no <laughs> i did see the rot- i did up? see the rotten tomatoes score what movie. was it it's 82 percent. i think that's pretty high that's pretty I mean, that's really research. high yeah Way to go man <laughs> Um, you Google it, you automatically. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't like extra research. No, it wasn't. You learned that on the way to the link. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is free. We should maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's on Prime. It's on Prime, which is great. Yeah. yeah. It's also on Crackle. Oh, Oh, shit. I didn't know that. Yeah. Which also has Drive. It has a couple good movies. Crackle free? Crackle is just free, but it's got ads. Oh, cool. Yeah. Welcome back to Crackle Talk <laughs> <laughs> and our cousin show, Fraggle Rock. 
they're rebooting Fraggle Rock? Of course they I'm fucking so are. Psyched. This is exactly what I'm talking yeah, about with this point. movie, where it's just like, yeah, they're rebooting everything. And like yeah. in the 90s, they were just like, no, fuck it. Oh, we need original content. Like you write a script. Mm-hmm. Like you guy who published some novel. You person who, you know, it's like, yeah, cool. Oh, and then I wrote this movie and like they actually made it. And that's how Dark City became a thing. Or like that's how is fucking it? Gattaca became a thing. I don't know. I mean, these are movies that were made by auteurs, I guess, like. Dark City was written by the guy who directed The Crow along with, I think, oh, yeah. two other people. Cool. Anyway, I don't know why that one's so heavy on my mind this week, but... Because mm, it's dark times? Yeah, because yeah, we, we're we, being consistently gaslit by our entire government. Yeah, because we live in the stranger's world. Yeah. It's just like... I'm still waiting for my Easy Rider reboot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they just have to bring Dennis Hopper back from the dead. Yeah, well, you know, they could recast him. Yeah, they could computer it's animate him. him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be like hologram, starring hologram Tupac and <laughs> Gigi Allen's face. Yeah, um, sounds great. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the movie takes place in a futuristic world. Wait, should we start with the, about the name of the movie? Oh yeah, it's four proteins that DNA is made up of. The base pairs. Yeah. 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 Fair right. enough. Cool. But, um, so I don't actually know if Gattaca is a sequence that has any significance in genes. Right, I doubt I it. I think yeah. it's just yeah. a word it's that they made with those the letters. genome yeah. scrabble. Yeah, yeah, it's like right. great. Um, Should have been yeah. at Tattica. I mean, even that is the kind of thing at gag. Even that is the beginning of why I didn't like this movie that much. It's sort of like that was the kind of thing where I was like a kid, and then I found out. You know that every letter was a bass pair, and I was like, "How cool!" Uh-huh. And now I'm like, "That's freaking stupid." Yeah, it's like, it? don't show off <laughs> to me. Stupid. Like, yeah, it's it's like f- I, I think fan so. service for like uh, fans that don't exist. It's like an inside well, it's joke. Also, it's so, like a yeah. kind of cleverness that would have kind of like worked better in the 90s i think i think maybe people are like a little smarter now i don't know like everyone would know well you are yeah well because we have supercomputers in our pockets smarter than i was 20 years ago but i wish i was my (laughs) iq score keeps going down (laughs) (laughs) i've i've legitimately lost that could be true oh are are they normalized by their they're normalized by age if you take stanford binet but yeah i'll go on record right now (laughs) listeners of the show in college my iq was a 146 and the last time i took it it was a 132 i will go on record as saying that iq tests are completely useless i've never taken an iq test (laughs) why are you taking yeah what's the deal here man do we need to do an intervention or something (laughs) i I don't know you're smart man you don't have to you don't have to take an iq test i thought that it would help me like impress my clients if i was a member of mensa but you can only take the mensa test once so i wanted to what yeah you can't if you if you don't get it the first time then you're just fucked so if you fail to qualify to give them money the first time then they don't want your money yeah i mean probably because they just haven't rewritten the test so they can't Ah. they can't have you memorizing it they're not made out of money all right they're made out of science i mean if they're smart (laughs) if that's true then you should probably just be able to download the test yeah you'd think actually Hang on. To what degree did Gattaca predict the world that we live in now, where it's like you have a 98 average and uh, you got a perfect score on your SAT and you like volunteered for Habitat for Humanity in the summer, whatever. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, you can't get into Harvard. You you don't have the qualifications at the time of the movie. Yeah, well, that's what the movie's about. Yeah, but like not not a prediction, not to the degree that it happens now, like where, you know, yeah, when we were. Well, when we were kids. Well, okay, let's say when our grandparents were kids, it was impossible for Jewish people to get into Ivy League schools or near impossible just by virtue of their race or whatever you want to call that. 
Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that's so, why my whole family's lawyers because they right. weren't allowed into medical school. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> for corpse theft. <laughs> so I don't think this needs to be like prescient or not. It's not about the future, really. Right. It's about like not judging people based on some arbitrary characteristics that the whole society has agreed to use as a metric. Yeah, absolutely. I, I guess. I, I guess. Yeah. I all I'm really saying is sort of like the the idea that. Like things were way easier, even for us when we were coming up, than they are now. And I see it with students that I work with every day. It's like, just like it was easier to get into college. It was easier to pay for college and so on. Yeah, it was. I mean, you know, and it wasn't easy for us. Like I'm 35 or 36, and I finished paying off my student loans this year. Mm. You know. Yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, and you know, but it was I, also much much cheaper. Yeah, it was much cheaper and much really easier. Yeah, like it's gotten a lot more expensive. Yeah, it's gotten a lot more expensive, and it's gotten a lot That's harder. Nice. Like you and, know, and public schools have gotten more expensive. Yeah, yeah. So you don't have that. Yeah, it's valve a, really. It's a fucking anymore. nightmare, you know. And but also beyond that, what like the the kind of place that you went to, like the degree that you have, actually matters in the job market in a way that it also didn't matter when we were students. Anyway, so in that way, I thought that Gattaca was super prescient. Yeah, dude. I mean, again, like that's not new. But it it is new in that, like, (laughs) Sam. That is exactly what I'm saying. Nearly every president we've had. But I think what. But I think what Asher's saying is that Gattaca was predicting that it was going to go more in that direction. Yeah, that the curve has gone exponential. Okay, I guess. And he's saying that it has. It's it really has. Like again, as someone on the front lines of seeing what kids face these days. You know, it's, there's just no, there's no comparison. Even to us who had to deal with this, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of a result of an economic equation that's changed. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah. exactly. And But it's not exactly the same. Like, so the, the, the point, the point that Gattaca is making, I think, is not just about, like, he says it. He says, we got rid of racism. Actually, thought it was ironic. In that shot, there's only white people. I mean, yeah, the well, race in this movie is super but whatever. Yeah, until That's the a last scene, issue. right? The very last scene has people of all races on. Yeah, it looks like a Benetton e- ad. Yeah, and yeah. then before that, it's in, I think entirely white people. There's there's a close. few. But, but anyway, yeah. there's the scene okay. where he's talking about it, and he says like, "Our culture has gone like straight to the like. We don't care if you're you know whatever race. We care if your genes match a certain whatever. I can't remember how he phrases it, but like if you pass the test of the gene test. Yeah. And if you don't, then you're the underclass. Right. Right. So he's, he's talking about like an arbitrary metric deciding where you end up, what you end up doing, how you end up living, what access you have, what privileges you get. Right. Yeah. What do you mean by arbitrary? Well, it's not, you, you know, not isometrically related to your the, performance, your actual ability mm-hmm. to achieve. Right. Yeah, it's like exactly. a predictive of your ability to achieve, but it isn't actually in paired. much the same way that like wealth is oh. you know well, well, I correlated mean, but not predictive yeah wealth i think is starting to bend into the opposite right, right? where it's right. like actually being wealthy means you can now sort of shelter yourself from ever having to actually learn the truth about the world around you so Have like we not, still not said what this movie's about if, if, no, if we haven't i no. really good it's cool we can <laughs> <laughs> you, you, i just you, realized you can cut it up yeah it'll be cool i'll cut this shit up it'll be fine cool yeah but yeah so for those of you who haven't seen this movie the movie is basically about a future in which 
there are two kinds of people. They call the natural births or God babies or love children or uh, they call them a whole bunch of things. Degenerates. Degenerates. Also another worst terrible thing in this yeah <laughs> there, there was a little bit of cleverness bad. and no then, one would i actually said out loud during the movie no one would ever say that it's yeah. too long degenerate it's too clever yeah, yeah. Like, oh okay yeah uh, yeah oh, you're such a degenerate well, which, and again <laughs> fuck off nerd impressive <laughs> about this movie is like the, that in a lot of ways so many of the movies that we see from the 90s, we were talking about this in the Island of Dr. Moreau episode, and I was thinking about it in the context of a few, like Jurassic Park and like a few other kind of sci-fi movies of the 90s, of like the general concern is so quaint compared to what we're actually facing now, right? Where the general concern is like, and it comes out of the end of the Cold War, where it's like there's no terrifying conflict that might immediately end your life. So instead, you know, the concern is like, are you selling out? <laughs> Have we acquired so much knowledge that we've gone too far? That's like kind of dumb stuff. And I think that this movie doesn't dip into that. This movie actually like predicts a future that has real stakes that, that are kind of terrifying and not kind of stupidly quaint in hindsight. And what's an example of the stupidly quaint? Um, I mean, Jurassic Park, where it's just like, you know, like. It's probably not like a fantasy, right? Yeah, but it's it's, like, it's science kind sci-fi. of transgressing oh, a border yeah, yeah, of yeah. like, you know, we've unlocked this knowledge, but we really weren't prepared for what it it's really similar meant. in a way, like the kind of well, because genetic engineering was the sort of similar, yeah, yeah, fundamental sort of a big concern of the time. Yeah, yeah, I get, I guess, but it's to yeah. me, it seemed a lot more quaint than like uh, this is a future that's locked down. Either you are genetically yeah. engineered from birth to be a super person, at which point every future is open to you or you are not and you are mopping the floors literally here's, here's what i don't really get about that like is the movie implying that everyone who got who didn't get uh engineered like their parents chose to not give them that treatment um like, i think is that, that the situation their parents probably couldn't afford it ah Right, which I know they don't really Wait, dig too. No, hard. I totally undercuts the whole point of the movie if that's what they're if that's what's going on. Or is it? Maybe they didn't. Maybe they just chose no, no, no. not to. I think the in the movie in the context of the movie, it's sort of like if you're born, quote unquote, naturally, then you can't be genetically engineered really anymore, right? Like you need yeah. to, yeah, right, yeah. They it have needs to, to be. select. They have to select yeah. the right embryo with the right combination of genes. Yeah, and they yeah. do stuff before. So what's the... My so question the, is, if that's a treatment that's only available to rich people... Oh, well, yeah, I mean, two, they don't explore that, right? Yeah, they don't no, really explore it. There's two two c- potential situations. One is that one, where it's a wealth issue. Right. Right? But they, Which I don't think they is don't what's ca- going on. They, the they certainly don't cast it that way, right? right? That would yeah, be like a different... So the other would yeah. be, it's like an opt-in thing. Right. Like, you have to say to your doctor, yes, we we want to do a natural birth and then, or whatever, a God, a religious exemption. Yeah. 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 So, so that seems more likely, but if that's the case, like why doesn't everybody opt to have the perfect child? And then why are there still jobs? Like why isn't everybody competing for the one best job? (laughs) I don't get it. Wait, why would there only be one job? I'm just saying like, if you can give your child everything genetically, and genetically yeah. prepare them at no cost to do anything that they want, to be capable of doing anything that they want, and f- to have society c- 
consider them perfectly suited for anything that they want to do. If the vast majority of human beings are in that situation, Mm -hmm. everyone would be overqualified for every job, right? Like how would you, if I wanted to be like a movie producer, (laughs) there's going to be 50,000 other people who are perfect genetic movie producers. Sam, this this is exactly what I was sort of saying about how this movie predicted the world that we're living in now where everybody is like overeducated. We don't have any trades people. But But the movie doesn't doesn't really explore that, right? Yeah, exactly. No, it's interesting because the movie maybe specifically doesn't really explore like what the economy as a whole looks like, right? That's true. All you see is Gattaca, which we haven't even explained what Gattaca is. Okay. But but yeah, all you see is that. You never even see money change hands. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm not arguing that that's a true thing you can do. I'm saying that seems to be the attitude they have in this culture. Like, clearly, that doesn't work. And they say that. You can't engineer everybody to be a perfect rocket scientist, and then they're all going to be perfect rocket scientists. That's not how genetics works, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so many other factors that affect what you get good at over the course of your life. Which they say in the movie. Yeah, they say it in the movie, but it's like the culture of the people in the movie, they have not internalized that. And they, it, I mean, it's obvious yeah. all well, they, throughout the movie. That that's yeah, the they also focus a lot on. I mean, they do really focus more on uh, diseases that it seems like you can sort of quantify, rather than like actually like is this person like super smart or not, right? It's like, yeah. are you predisposed for like various diseases, including depression, things like that? They don't explore as much. Are you? Do they talk about like IQ and your genetic yeah, predisposition for like a certain really. IQ or something? They don't talk about that because I think at the time that was a pretty complicated issue. I mean, I guess it still, it still is, is yeah. right? It's one of the most complicated. Yeah, yeah so should it's we... also kind of a stupid <sighs> argument to have because I've never heard a definition of intelligence that was satisfactory. So oh, you should have been here when we... It. I mean, I, I have some ideas. I mean, a huge part of intelligence to me is pattern recognition. Okay, that's an aspect of mental performance that you think is probably correlated with intelligence and i yeah i agree with you you're probably right but that's not a definition of what is what does intelligence mean what are we trying to measure when we measure intelligence yeah you just mean we could do a pattern recognition test and we think that that's correlated to somebody being smart i i think i don't even think there's a reasonable way to talk about intelligence or being smart it's like one way to talk about is like being good at certain things and then you're just talking about being good at certain things that makes like that i can wrap my head around yeah and And like i would believe that you could genetically select for being good at pattern recognition for instance yeah like i'm sure that's hereditary but i think alan also learned kind of hit on this well there's a few things like again my experience with some of this stuff from getting my i don't even have a master's i have like a third of a master's uh, for my substitute teaching license, but I just picture you holding like a third of a <laughs> yeah, yeah. They slice the degree yeah. like a fucking oh, pizza. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was like, you know, we had to learn about some of like the you know uh, elementary psychology of uh, you know children and all that kind of stuff. And and one of the things you learn about is like the, I mean, obviously there's a bunch of theories of intelligence, but I thought that the multiple intelligences really kind of struck like me as logical yeah i think it was five and they added emotional intelligence so that it's now six okay. but it's like kinesthetic which is like a body intelligence mm-hmm. uh like spatial musical mm-hmm. i can't remember them all now but um i do like the idea that maybe yeah maybe you can have sort of five or ten different intelligences that you talk about I, mean, I think it's probably useful maybe that's more meaningful it's probably useful to to 
kind of wrap your head around what we're talking about. But I, I just, it just kind of seems like a fool's errand to me. Like, I don't think that we should expect to ever get it, to ever understand how intelligence works. doesn't mean it won't be a fruitful discussion, right? Breaking it up into different categories, to having different tests that we think are probably correlated. It's just like yeah, so areas. obvious to me that there are so many different factors, right? And that's what the movie's kind of about. It's like he clearly learns the things that the whole society thinks he's incapable of learning yeah because he pushes himself to right i mean yeah because he pushes himself to and because i think as you say like the society doesn't have like an accurate system of measuring so he probably has some innate ability well what i'm saying is like to sort of say it's bootstraps that i am not super crazy about no i'm saying any kind of quantization any kind of metric to say like this is how good you will be. Yeah. It's is, just flawed. It's nonsense. Like he, yeah, yeah. Right. I, which well, it's I, not nonsense. It's flawed. It's flawed. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. So, so basically we see this future where you can be a natural birth or you can be genetically engineered. They don't really dig into the sort of economics of why some people are engineered and some people are natural birth, but it seems like the majority of society is genetically engineered to be, relatively perfect but that there are things that like they a large can majority control right. for ethan hawk is a plays like a someone who is a natural birth but has been obsessed since he was a child and he's given 30 years to live right like he Basically, has a heart defect yeah statistically and they're like yeah you have a 90 percent chance of dying by the age of 30 he has a brother who was genetically engineered and the brother beats him at everything and is like this incredible athlete and genius and ethan hawk is like has glasses and I don't know how else do they sort of express it can't swim as far can't swim as far can't swim well, he's as like far. shorter scrawnier shorter right? definitely yeah he says it's illegal to discriminate against people because of their genetic background but it's done pretty much wholesale anyway right right um and actually another thing about this movie that I thought was amazing was that it uses voiceover really pretty beautifully yep uh, yeah, he, yeah, I didn't like that either. You didn't like the voiceover in this? No, I didn't like you in this. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like like the whole his whole when he goes through his whole backstory. I, I thought that was all kind of clumsily done, honestly. Huh? I liked it. It felt sort of like I don't know, like, like old the sand lot or something. Yeah, exactly. yeah it definitely. <laughs> had, I love the sand well, lot. Also, like the the movie has like a, the look to it, which I think is also super cool, and we kind of touched on years. it. The Wonder Years? No, it's got a 1930s, 1940s. Oh, like, no, I was going back to the... Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the movie's yeah. got like a hard Art Deco feel to it. Yeah, I kept noticing the lapels. The lapels. The shirt collars. Everybody's the wearing shirts and ties. Yeah. They're wearing like double-breasted suits. They all look immaculate. Yeah. I yeah. fucking loved the look of this movie. Everything yeah. is clean lines and like nice shiny wood. Oh, yeah, and, mm-hmm. the, and then they wear their suits into the spaceship... Yeah. Did you guys notice that? I did. <laughs> that was insane. I mean... Like, who goes into orbit wearing a tie? Get the fuck <laughs> but it's... I mean, that's a wink to, like, the golden age of science fiction. Yeah, of, like, sure. 1950s. Totally. Like, brave astro men wearing their shirts and ties into space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the opposite, right? The opposite thing is that they... All these people are wearing these suits and, like, have their hair done the same. Like, they all look the same. Oh, right? yeah. They all look that's the like same. The, yeah. Yeah. The side of the coin, right? I mean, again, and it's, you know, it's not a coincidence that there's sort of like a, you know, a German Nazi vibe underneath <laughs> it close. a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Severe. Yeah. Um, so 
Ethan Hawke from a very young age fantasizes about being an astronaut and wants to go into space, but is told very plainly by his parents, like, no chance, baby. Like you are accurately. Yeah. You're a genetic reject and you suck. Leave that to your brother. You can go mop the floors. Hmm. I used to think that this movie, that the parents in the movie are, are supposed to be like just terrible, like not great. But, uh, this time around, I think it's more like they're just brainwashed. You know? Yeah, they just like his dad doesn't want him to have his name because he's afraid he's going to die, not yeah. because he's ashamed of him, right? Yeah, I mean, in the scene when he doesn't let Ethan Hawke have his name, he sort of is like nervous about it. He's not. Yeah. He yeah, he is he's like scared. A, yeah, it's not really a shame thing. It's like a. I, I agree with you on that. I, I thought know. that was a reasonable reading. I, anyway, I just kept thinking about that, like when, like when they tell him he can't be an astronaut. It's not like, you know, we're, we don't want you to see the world. We don't want you to try. It's like they're trying to prepare him for a reality, the reality of the world he lives in. Yeah. Right. Know? Yeah, I agree. Which with is that. even worse. Like that's so fucked up. But at least they're not the bad guys. Yeah, know? I also, I also thought that like the parents were an example of like you know again internalized racism classism yeah. like yeah you know, yeah the, the whole movie is it's a little heavy-handed with all of that stuff but i still thought it was like a worthwhile interesting story beyond that so his whole childhood ethan hawk is kind of like uh, shown to be in competition with his sort of genetically superior brother and the way that they express this is this swimming contest that the two of them have. They swim out, and then Into the first the ocean, one to give yeah. up loses. Okay, basically. yeah. And so Ethan Hawke pretty much always loses until the day that he doesn't, right? And he has to rescue his brother from drowning, right. which was cool. And and yeah. in the voiceover, he says, like, that was the day I realized that none of their shit was real. And right. that, like, I was just as good as everybody else, and nothing mattered. Mm-hmm. Um. And then flash forward to a million years later, he wants to go to Gattaca, the institute where they send people to space, um, and he's roundly rejected. And so he gets a job mopping the floors. Yeah. He doesn't even try to get in. He gets a job mopping the floors, and then he's like, this is where I got to be. Yeah. Where his his boss, did you guys catch this? Is ro- his robot house all-star, Ernest Borgnine. Yeah, oh, yeah. His yeah. Borgnine. I didn't catch that. Coming from beyond the grave. It was one of his final performances, I think, which is amazing. So now we've watched his last two movies? So. No, I, don't, I, think, I think he made some movies in between 1979's oh. The Black Hole and like 1998's oh, Gattaca. <laughs> 97. Um, 97 sorry my bad so to advance into his career as an astronaut he buys the identity of a genetically perfect person played by jude law who's been in a crippling accident overseas and that means that like his accident hasn't been registered by the american government which means he can sell his identity to someone else or rent his identity to someone else and that person can then live as him and have all the benefits of a genetic perfection life mm-hmm. it's tony shalhoub that does oh, the exchange and tony shalhoub is awesome <laughs> in this awesome. yeah he's and, awesome in everything yeah he's great i mean the the cast in this is kind of amazing a lot of people yeah. so he's embedded at this organization and he's on track to launch to lead a launch to titan one of the moons of jupiter um and his boss also which i thought this was a great nod to like an american ruling class his boss is played by gore vidal who's like such a kind of quintessential american patrician so he's in this movie as does he he's also an actor i don't think he's much of an actor he's like been in stuff but i think that they hired him for this movie 
because he was so part of the American ruling class and like the idea that he is like a genetic perfect specimen is like I'm sure that that was not lost on the director that that's what it was about was like the idea that we have a ruling class and that there are people who are part of that class and that that class is arbitrary. Here's an example of that. And here's a person who's a part of that class and is sort of in on the joke. Mm. And like by hiring him, we're winking at that. At least that was the impression I got. He plays (laughs) Ethan Hawke's boss. The guy that gets killed. No, the other guy. Oh, I see. Not the mopping boss. Yeah. Not the mopping mopping boss. boss. Not not Ernest Borgnine. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, confusing because he had two bosses in the movie. <laughs> Fair enough. And a third. So uh, the one who gets killed. Yeah. So Ethan Hawke is on track to uh, basically, you know, get this job flying into space for a year. He's living with Jude Law. He's faking his identity. He has to like bring bags of Jude Law's piss in every day and like put some of Jude Law's blood and skin like random places. And there's a doctor that watches him pee into a cup to verify his identity or no. to verify his genetic superiority. No, to verify that he's not. Oh, that on he's drugs. not on drugs, yeah. right? Because he's, yeah, you know, there's like a bunch of training stuff, and there's a woman who works at the yeah. facility called Gattaca, which I've said a lot of times. Yep. Um, played by Uma Thurman, who so weird looking. She's very strange in this movie, and I don't think that they give her character like a fair shake at all. Yeah. She is just wallpaper, which I thought was unfortunate because she's super talented. Yeah. Wait, I okay, I didn't really think that. You're wrong. Interesting. Wait, why? <laughs> well, I I thought that her intentions were unclear in the movie, right? Like you were supposed to think maybe she's trying to like uh, expose him. Like, right. Yeah. Like, and then, and then you realize, Oh, maybe she's actually interested in him. Like it's sort of hard to figure out what, what's at her core. And I think that that gives a certain mystery to the movie. Yeah. Because she she doesn't telegraph it. Like when she shows up at the office and she's giving his hair in or whatever. Yeah. 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 Well, and also, like, it's unclear whether she might also be, like, a genetic it, cheat. It, right, exactly. I like, that for that a while, you think, yeah, maybe she, yeah, exactly. She's also, or she's, she's hiding something. Yeah. Right? We find out later on that she has a heart defect um, and that, that she kind of keeps it DL, but that she secretly wants to go to space as right. well and is pretty heartbroken that she doesn't get to go uh, because she has a genetic heart problem. Heartbreak. Yeah, Sam, we Heart's got it. Broken. Oh, Her heart broken. Goodbye. Broken. <laughs> <laughs> I think the coolest part of this movie actually is like when they where there's the scene that talks about all that goes through all the things that he's doing in order to hide his identity, right? Mm-hmm. So he's every night he goes home and he scrubs off all his dead skin. <sighs> Which is bullshit. Like you could not get all of your no, dead you skin. Get all no, of it, yeah. But you but get you could, some off, yeah. yeah. You get a lot off. The amount yeah. that comes off over the course of yeah, the Yeah, but day. there's no way that you wouldn't be leaving it all over no, everything. No, but it's a it's a numbers game. Yeah, and he it's also leaves like Skin cells, hair cells, right. sure. small things from Jude Law. Yeah, I, th- I mean, and it he's was constantly cleaning his keyboard with that weird with vacuum. The, the weird. I want one of those. Uh, <laughs> movie. Those are the least of my issues with the movie. I think. To me, the the thing that pissed me off actually is like this guy wants to be an astronaut, right? Uh, which makes no sense. Also, can I just yeah. say that of all careers, astronaut is one where you actually do want to be like in top possible yeah, like shape the perfect, the perfect human. specimen of human being so like if there's any job where they're <laughs> going to be doing this kind of screening yeah well i was thinking and about then, that and then on top of that he's going to get to titan and like for some reason he's gonna have to run for more than five minutes and he's gonna be out of breath and die 
and everybody else is going to be fine because they all have incredible, incredible stamina and metabolisms because they're supermen. Yeah, or he's going to get to Titan and realize that he can't fucking see without his stupid contact lenses which are going to dry out. No, there are a lot of problems with his plan. Agreed. You know, it's like, you know, it's like somebody cheating and going to Harvard and then it's like, oh no, I'm at Harvard. Oh wait, I'm Jared Kushner. It's fucking fine. Harvard's a bad example. Yeah, exactly. It'd be more like if you cheated and got into Stuyvesant and then we're like, oh shit, I don't belong here. Yeah. (laughs) Could Um, you imagine like if right now like an astronaut on like a manned mission or something like like everyone found out that they've been faking their identity this whole time that he was actually like everyone the cable in the guy. world would be so pissed yeah. off right be like you wasted a billion dollars of like you you know i mean unless he did his job fine well it's no fine, that's my point right? but yeah yeah anyway yeah it, it seemed it was a little bit funny to me it like felt like the is it the herald principle where you like rise to the level of your incompetence like they keep promoting oh, yeah. you until you get to a job that you suck at. So like <laughs> theoretically, every major corporate structure is just filled with people who are terrible at their jobs. Not theoretically. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Um, so you think that that's how astronauts work? Like they I, must I mean, be that's how the fucking presidency works. That's how wealth works. It's like I get to a level where I don't have to listen to anyone so that I can now. Okay. I think that vaccines cause like antenna to grow out of your nose. So I'm not going to vaccinate my kids because if I was wrong, I wouldn't be a multimillionaire. You know, like that's not currently how being an astronaut works. Okay. Fair enough. I'm glad. <laughs> Thanks. It's not an epitome. This is the it's episode where Sam <laughs> explains how astronauts no, but work I think this is me. getting at the core of this is really the core of the movie, right? How much you define by your genes. How, how much, much can you, can you, push yourself how much loop, to overcome room do we have? Yeah. you know yeah yeah and how much we're all sort of like the victim of abstract bullshit from the world around us but that's right? the other thing that makes me mad about this movie oh, the, the answer to that question is like everything like there is nothing i mean maybe there are some things but essentially who we are what we get good at right those are all results of experience and epigenetics almost exclusively like I can't I mean I don't know I guess there's a predisposition to be a good runner or a predisposition to be interested in mathematics but you can't then be good at mathematics without having spent like your whole life working on it yeah right? it's not just like you you're born with that knowledge or, some people are right? are born some people with are born next with level. the ability to learn certain things very fast fast yeah but if you never teach them those things they're never going to learn them I would argue that some people can intuit those kinds of systems without having been taught them. I mean, yeah, that's maybe how we one have in a advances. million or one in a billion or something. Like you're talking about Einstein's understanding of like, or Newton's time. understanding of mechanics, right? Or you know Mozart's understanding of harmony. You know those kinds of yeah, things, right? But but you think those things are genetic and not like a result of having lived a very specific life. No, I, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's like, yeah, I think that right. there's some kind of innate intelligence. And again, I think that a lot of that, that intelligence is based around the idea of pattern recognition, right? So it's like, I understand that there's, or when I say pattern recognition, what I really mean is like structural recognition. Like you look around you and you see, okay, this is how the structure of this thing works. This is the nature of these kinds just of... just analytical reasoning. Exactly. Because yeah. another thing we, we, we didn't talk about is that his interview for the job right. is literally just uh, a, blood a blood sample. Yeah. Exactly. Right? Like, w- how could anyone believe that that is sufficient? Even in yeah. a society where everybody believes that you have to have certain 
preconditions in your genes in order to qualify. Like he still has to know how to drive a fucking spaceship. <laughs> like he's the navigator. It's not good enough for him to have, you know, to be tall. Like I just don't get it. I think how can a company like that perpetuate, right? The same way that Harvard perpetuates where like 50% sure. of their graduating class is fucking Jared Kushner's. It's just like that's, you know, they, they because they're Harvard, you know, yeah. and it's like and wealth begets yeah. wealth. So they you can't argue that these people aren't successful because no, they, they are. So they obviously are the system must work into space. Yeah, but I always again and, and this is why I'm kind of shocked by your statement that being an astronaut actually requires a ton of skill and intelligence because I thought it was one of those things that it was like idiot proof where it's just like. No. Yeah, like, we can't trust, like, a fucking human with this thing. We have machines that send these things places. You might make that argument in the context of this movie. It's possible that that was my understanding of the technology, but that's definitely not the case now. Yeah, I I thought that a huge amount of the sort of genetic perfection that they demanded was optics. Because if it wasn't, then he was in for a world of shit as soon as he got to space, right? I mean, he's doing the calculations for the, the... the, the trajectory, right? There's yeah. Like a couple scenes where you see mm-hmm. him actually working. He's doing stuff. Yeah. Like he's not just a monkey that that looks nice that they're going to shoot into. They space. did say that he wrote a million lines of code. Or exactly. Something. Like yeah. He's got to be smart. Okay. So, so, so they probably okay. trained him at Gattaca. They were like, okay, you have the raw materials. Now we'll Maybe. show you how it's done. That okay. could be. Yeah. Yeah. Um. <laughs> there's a murder at the at Gattaca, and Ethan Hawke is. Not suspected, but they find one of his eyelashes, which alerts them to the fact that there's this person who's not genetically supposed to be in the building in the building. And that triggers this whole investigation where two detectives, one played by like random handsome white dude and one played by Alan Arkin, who's obviously a genetic inferior and is older and takes a lot of shit from his like younger, handsome, dashing boss. Who Uh, is genetically nice. Yeah, genetically perfect man. Uh, they go yeah. on the investigation. Meanwhile, except also he's the one. Alan Arkin's character is the one that's pushing the theory that it was the degenerate. Oh, of course, no. Yeah. And again, so he's totally bought into the whole. Like, if he, if you're right that he is like Godchild or whatever, Godborn, whatever they're calling it, then he definitely believes the propaganda. He sort of buys into their genetic stuff. But like he also knows that he's smarter than the boss, and yeah. and he winks at the camera a little bit in that way, or like he shows that he knows it. No, I it, think that's actually really interesting because he knows he knows that he's smarter, and he keeps being like right on the edge of sarcastically deferential. Yeah, right? and he's he's but, feeding the boss information, and then pretending like oh it was the boss's idea, and we sort but of then see at the that. same time he's totally convinced based on the fact that he found one eyelash from somebody that shouldn't be there that they're the one that did the crime he's not convinced that the person did the crime because they were a genetic inferior i think he's convinced that the person did the crime because that was a very clear motive and he's a good detective what was the motive that their identity had been discovered that they were going to get kicked out and that they murdered their boss to stop themselves from oh. getting kicked out <laughs> yeah that's also how i took it yeah he also is the guy who figures out that well, I'll get to that. Well, who that Gorvidal is the real killer. So while this sort of murder investigation is is going around and there's like some kind of comedy of errors type stuff with, you know, Jude Law and Ethan Hawke's identities and like they go out and, and you know, there's a few different almost happenings where Ethan Hawke almost gets caught and like, 
I thought that that was relatively plausible. I don't know. Did you guys kind of dig in on that or like think it was cool or? I liked it. I, I the thing that I think was sort of left out, and then you get to the end of the movie, and like then you pay the price for not having talked about it. Sort of is like what a sad existence it is for Jude Law's character. Like he oh. basically can't. Yeah, he go never anywhere. leaves the other house. Yeah, it's Jude Law's character. Yeah, leads a very and again, we'll, we'll talk you, a little bit about... But you kind of see that. You I mean, you feel that yeah, in his character. He's an alcoholic. Yeah. He's, yeah. he's spiraling out, obviously. Right. Yeah, and, and it, his life is really sad, and it sucks. And and it's unclear what he's supposed to do when Ethan Hawke is gone. No, That's I think sort that of he, undeveloped. He references suicide a couple times yeah. throughout the movie, and, and right? And then spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoiler alert. And he also, alert. Was, trying to ki- also says he was trying to kill himself with when, he, when he got... No, when he got hit by the car. Right. right? Oh, yeah. Because yeah. he got a silver medal. It's interesting about his character is the idea that like, well, in a world, and you meant you referenced this already, right? In a world where everyone is genetically engineered, like it just becomes more and more competitive. Specifically with Jude Law, the issue was that he was told he was perfect at X and then he got a silver medal. And so he was like tremendously depressed basically about right. it. As right? opposed to being like, well, next time I'm going to get the gold. Yeah. And that was something that I thought was sort of, something that right. was sort of weird about his character. If you really think about it, it's like, well, wouldn't, you know, you want to breed someone who also took failure well. I mean, it depends how well you can genetically wow. engineer people, right? right? And uh, that's a, just a, such a perfect example of a thing that can't possibly be genetics. Like, the way we I take failure. What do you mean? Because that's must the be thing some we predisposition. E, I think it's, I think <laughs> I it's mean, behavioral. It's both, right? I mean, there are ways in which your emotional state is guided by your genetics, at which point, you know, your reaction to failure is both, right? Because I it's mean, guided I by your experience and it's guided by literally like, you know, I have, you know, I release these chemicals because this is the way that the system in my body reacts and therefore I'm going to react with X level of intensity over this or that thing. Maybe I'm wrong. It work that way. Like, I don't, I'm not an expert on this stuff, you guys, but... <laughs> I know, we both, we're all yeah, probably we, some biologists. have a biologist on, on, on this On this would be like, you fucking phrenologist morons. <laughs> like, But it's really, it's really not. What I have read and what I do know, even if it's not a lot, is that that's just not how it works. That like the biggest factor for how you emotionally react to a situation is what your emotional life has been like up to that point. Oh yeah, you're totally right. So you don't get to be like, oh, you know, the fact that he's not pushing himself is because he isn't genetically predisposed to push himself. It's because no one has taught him to push himself. It can be both. No one has taught him to handle failure because nobody imagined he ever would see failure. Yeah, but it's not that simple, right? It's, you know, it's it's neither, right? Or it's it's both and it's neither. Obviously, Yeah, Yeah. that's all. It's not both and neither. But it's neither exclusively. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. But um, here, let's talk about this for a little bit because it's actually relevant to you, Sam. To me like, or to my was, argument? To you. Because oh, cool. I was thinking about this in the context of identical twins, uh-huh. right? Because like one of... Well, I ate my twin, but... <laughs> <laughs> one of the like things that we know about, I think one of the most maybe not the best, but the most interesting ways that we can get at this nature versus nurture question, right? Yeah. Is by looking at identical twins that are separated at birth. Right. And from my kind of not very good understanding of this is that there's usually, they're usually like incredibly similar people. In right? certain ways, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, but I think that trauma, you're not going to like not respond to trauma emotionally because your twin didn't have that trauma. You know what I mean? Like if, in other words, if you're raised to be able to handle 
your emotional landscape and your twin isn't. Mm-hmm. Like you're you going to be able to handle your emotional. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your twin won't. Right. I, I, yes and no. But again, but then the, the things that I've seen where there are weird similarities are like little things like the way you hold a pen or like yeah, yeah, yeah. the response you have. To I a also have seen kind that of dog where it's like they, they, they both name their dog the same. Right. Thing. Right. But they could have totally different lives. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. don't really know well enough. Yeah. To answer. Yeah. We should have had a geneticist <laughs> on this episode. Yeah. <laughs> are there geneticists or tweet at us jeans? Levi's please my kind of feeling about this movie was that thing things are more determined by your genes than this movie than the this movie would like like the message of this movie I think is like you are not your genes I think that that you are more your genes than the makers of this movie would would like I think you're wrong (laughs) so well so let's get to the end of this movie because this you're not is, just you're just fight yeah. about it because like the movie is really lyrical and beautiful up to this point yeah, yeah he has a romance with Uma Thurman like I just want to yeah he has a romance a with Uma Thurman while the investigation is going on yeah and she saves him on a number of occasions yeah from being found out and and he kind of and inadvertent wait no, but this is where the movie starts to yeah, fall apart this is, is where is it really that, goes off the, the rails scene, right when he wakes up and he's like oh my God, like I have, I've loved all this evidence. Like she's already, yeah, she knows, knows that he's yeah. Vincent. And that's right? when he should have said Does like, she, here's what well, happened. she already, well, they have that scene where know? they kiss, right? They have, she knows that something's weird, but yeah. she doesn't know that he's okay. not. Okay. No, so she they, have, they have a kissing scene, Vincent. right? They have a scene where they kiss and then the detective is like, Vincent, are you out there? And then, and then she goes, who are you? No, and she he says, who's Vincent? Who's Vincent? And then he goes, I, and then she goes, don't say anything. Right. It's like, what? Okay. Okay. Yeah. And it's like, supposed to mean? exactly. It's like, yeah. she knows. Why are you? Yeah. But why then she doesn't, you? in the context of this movie, she actually doesn't know. Like, like later, it seems like she doesn't know that she's been. So this she, is where the movie starts to sort she, of fall apart. She right? knows something yeah. is off, but she likes him and she doesn't want to get into it before mm-hmm. they've boned. Yeah. Which I, I just, it seemed bullshit to me. She's not, it's not a straight line for her, no, no. her emotional experience going well, through this, right? Like she doesn't know what she wants to know. She likes him. She doesn't know if she wants to know the whole truth. Later she finds out and she's angry and then she kind of gets over it. And then she's like, well, I'll see when you get back, you know, yeah, some, which they don't quite truth to that. You know? they, they, yeah. I just felt like that they left her a little underbaked, and I thought yeah. that that was a little bit like misogynistic and unfair because she had such an interesting journey that they could have focused on a little bit more of like, sure. I was just sort of like, this is, this is, there's yeah. room for her, her dream that she wants that he's sort of, uh, illicitly captured and she can't have it. Like, I, I just thought that there was room in there for them to explore her character a little bit more that they just were like, one woman, please. <laughs> like, well, make I mean, her yeah. sexy. I don't think it's quite that bad. Read the third act is so compressed that you, you you can imagine them having like multiple endings, right? That they probably were workshopping and then they decided on this one for some reason. Alan Arkin calls the detective as he's interviewing Jude Law and right when things might come undone with the whole scheme. And Alan Arkin is like, we found the killer. Get get over here. And it turns out that it was Gore Vidal. It's sort of, it's a deus ex machina, right? It's like Gore Vidal, who was the genetic perfect person. He must have known they would find his saliva. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, again, it's uh, they just were like, oh, we need to solve this. Okay, it was that person. Because like, it also just as easily could have been Uma Thurman. Or it could have just right. as easily been Ethan Hawke and he had Thurman. been lying the whole time. That would be annoying. That would have been less likely. I, it would have been more interesting if... If they had somehow really left annoying. that, left that like more possible. But the show, the, the movie is like from his perspective. Yeah, and I, I thought, but there really are plenty hard. of movies that no, there are plenty of movies that are like first person perspective, and then you know you find out three quarters of the way in that the person that you've been following this whole time is actually like different than you assumed. Yeah, that's a pretty, Name pretty common thing. Such movies. It would have been hard for that movie to make that turn. Yeah. But, but yeah, but they could they could have made the movie. Yeah, they could have they made it not that much differently. They yeah, could have made that turn. Yeah. So I was sort of like, it could be any of these. That it turned out to be Gorvidal just felt like okay, fine. You wrapped it up. That's okay. But I mean, sort of the whole way through, like the it, the movie isn't about no, that it's murder. not about the murder investigation, which I kind of like yeah. that as well. It, the whole thing has a bit of a film noir vibe, but it doesn't really dig all the way into it, right? Like obviously everybody's dressed like yeah. film noir and there is this murder in the background and we have voiceover narration, which are all like very yeah. sort of... And uh, it's black and white and Humphrey Bogart's in it. Cool. I mean, one thing that's important about Gore Vidal is that he says earlier that he he if you look at his like genome, he has like no predisposition for violence. Yeah, but then it turns out that he actually killed the guy in a pretty brutal way. Yeah, exactly. Like See, smashed feel, his head with a I keyboard. I feel like there are those moments all through the movie where it's like, "Oh, look, the this the system is wrong." The, yeah, that's that's wrong. not but, accidental. But, but like, it doesn't. It's kind of like with Doctor Doctor Moreau. Like the the movie never punches, never hits that that mark. It's just like yeah. there are these little moments dropped into the movie where you're like, "Oh yeah, that's like." An obvious but, demonstration of how stupid this this world is. Yeah, but, like, I, but nobody ever confronts anybody about. But they don't it. tear down yeah. the world, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, which but that's not what the movie is about, right? Yeah, which I thought that was kind of great. It's like some sense that this movie felt like a prequel to the cyberpunk world. The Martian. Oh no! Like this movie felt like a prequel to the world of Blade Runner or the world of basically all of William Gibson. Like it's like we have, we have genetic engineering. Earth is like in pretty decent shape, but like obviously corporations are running the show. There's no real accountability. Like there's no actual meritocracy Mm -hmm. and like things are probably getting very class separated and we're about to enter into hell world. But for now we're a golden age of brave men exploring the cosmos. And I was like, this this ends with yeah. Blade Runner, yeah. which I thought that that was kind of interesting in that they leave the the sort of disparate nature of the society completely unexamined. Right. Nobody says, hey, this is fucked up. The only thing we see is like this guy with his borrowed ladder, mm-hmm. um, you know, basically gets to jump the line. Ethan Hawke does ultimately in the end get to go to space. And he and Uma Thurman kind of casually say that they're going to see each other. But again, they don't really wind that out in any satisfying way, which I didn't. She says a year is not that long. To me, that means she'll be there when he gets back. Fair enough. Yeah. A year is not really that long. Yeah. But I I guess it depends on your, it's one time around the sun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, and also like, I I don't know. They, They gave me the impression that he might die at any minute. Right, because he says, like, my heart's 10,000 beats overdue. And it's like, oh, okay, so are you going to drop dead now? Hang on, because we were skipping over the kind of last thing that's 
important about the plot or the last two things that are important about the plot of this movie, which here was where I was like, okay, this movie is stupid. And it was tough How because I loved it so chair? much. So there's a big reveal. Really? No. Oh, Wait, I, what are we talking about? The reveal that the detective, the genetically oh. perfect detective, was Ethan Hawke's brother so all along. This is what I wanted to talk about because I don't remember... I don't remember from watching this movie the first time if I knew that when the character shows up. Obviously, I knew that this time watching, right? Because I remembered how the movie pans out. Yeah. And as I was watching it, knowing that it's his brother, there are hints like nonstop. Yeah, I knew it from the third oh, what scene are the, the detectives was, was I there. Mean, it's just like constantly, like the first time Vincent's face comes up. And, which is an unremarkable event for everybody else in the room. It's like very clear that that detective knows that guy, mm. knows Vincent, right? Yeah. And they keep doing these There's a scene where he keeps flipping back and forth between Vincent's yeah, exactly. ID card and Ethan Hawke's ID card and Jude Law's ID card. Right. There, there's like a few different, there's a bunch of ways that they, they I didn't notice it at all, honestly. It was, yeah, I don't know. So that was my question because Sophie didn't know. To me, it felt heavy handed watching Yeah, it was, it was pretty heavy handed. it wasn't. So I don't know. I mean, it's his brother. It, the reveal <laughs> is that the detective is his brother and it's like that in and of itself, I thought I saw it coming. I it seemed pretty obvious. I don't know. This time, and usually I'm Did not, not see it coming. Fair enough. What I honestly thought was going to happen and we end up getting this scene from the doctor, which I thought was obnoxious was like the the brother doesn't just say hey i knew it was you like way to go the brother and him have this like to me this this was the part where i was like okay like ethan hawk's agent was like he's only going to do this movie if there's like one oscar monologue scene and the monologue is like his fight with his brother where it's like you were supposed to be perfect i was perfect you were this you know and it's just like you guys are idiots like this scene is fucking stupid and there's no reason that that you would confront your brother who was out to investigate you because like he would definitely blow your cover there's no way that the brother wouldn't have blown his cover well he didn't yeah he didn't so there's and specifically it didn't, the way that yeah but it didn't really make any internal sense and and it was tough because it was like a hard left turn for the movie that kind of painted this really intelligent picture of like a shyster who had conned his way into a world where he didn't necessarily belong only to prove that he did belong and then i it just didn't i didn't buy it 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 didn't work for me and and to make matters worse they then reenact their swimming competition which was like why why are you making me watch this now but when he wins as an adult it's a little weird because it's like at that point, like, you know, exercise really does matter. I don't know. Like, when you're kids, probably you, you know, or maybe you're getting the same amount of exercise. But but now he's, like, training a lot because he's becoming an astronaut, whereas this guy is just, like, a detective probably eating donuts all the time, right? So, it's like, of course, you're going to win when you're an adult. I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah. true. It's but like maybe are- that's still part of the point of the movie. Yeah. That you're not just your genes. Right. And then as Ethan Hawke is getting onto... So, Ethan Hawke wins. The brother, I guess, lets him like go because he beat him in the swimming contest which is like okay also because he didn't do the murder well yeah he did he could murder but they've but already locked someone up they've already locked up gore vidal for the murder right. could have revealed him to not be who he was right, right? and I canceled the launch could have. would you do that to, to me he yeah, seemed it's, like it's a nuts. petty dick he was a cop i mean i wouldn't put any <laughs> yeah. of that shit past him That's fair. so ethan hawk gets to go into space there's like a, a last minute kind of like a stinger with the doctor who's been examining him who it turns out like 
hey, I'm the guy who knew all along and my son is genetically something and we hope he's all that he's cracked up to be. See you up there. And I, I was like, I wanted that from the brother. I wanted that reveal from someone that, like, or for the doctor to be the brother. I just thought that those two things were superfluous to each other. It's like we could have had those two things combined. The doctor, yeah, kind of revealing that he knew the whole time didn't add anything. Yeah, it didn't add me. anything. Well, exactly. to me, to me, it added that there's a crack in this society that people know. And that's how it always happened. Everybody in this society buys into it, but they also kind of get that it's bullshit, right? And they're, but they're not willing to accept in public. Their public faces have to be like, oh, yeah, we're genetically perfect, and that's all that matters. Yeah. But in private, you know, when, he's, when he sees the, the dude holding his penis with the wrong hand, he's like, oh, this guy knows how to get around what's fucked up about our society. Right. And yeah. Like maybe my kid can make it too. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I, I feel like that's kind of the whole moral of the movie. So. Yeah, it is. But I think that they the movie expresses it pretty well, kind of before the doctor. But I, I get what you're saying. I know. And the last thing that that we sort of see as he's blasting off into space is Jude Law commits suicide by burning himself alive in the incinerator in their apartment. Well, as Sophie pointed out, he did that. So that there wouldn't be evidence. Yeah. 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 But that is a horrible way to die. It's a horrible way to die. And therefore really a pretty heroic thing that he's doing for the main character. And I don't know. Did you guys feel like this felt to me like a fifties melodrama thing or trope of like the gay character committing suicide. That, that was how I felt about Jude Law suicide at the end it to me it felt a little bit like exploitive like i don't know if you guys have seen some of those 50s melodramas obviously not sure most notably spoiler alert for rebel without a cause that like plato one of the characters in that uh commits suicide or i guess i was thinking a little bit about streetcar named desire where you know blanche's first husband commits suicide off stage but similar thing there was something about like you don't fit in with this world. We need to tie up your story. I guess suicide. All right, go on ahead. I, I, to me, that felt a little bit offensive. And those are both gay characters. Well, the the characters of Plato and yeah, and Blanche's, and Blanche's first, first husband, husband in Streetcar. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This to me felt exploitive. Of like, you don't have a place in this world. So like, rather than being someone who takes agency over their place in the world, like Ethan Hawke you collapse and commit suicide. It is a little, it's something I really thought about is like, you know, maybe Ethan Hawke as a friend should have helped him (laughs) to like, be like, Hey man, like there's still something, you know, you don't have to kill yourself. It seemed pretty clear that Ethan Hawke like knew, had a pretty distinct feeling that he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Without a doubt. Yeah. He says, I'm traveling today too. He doesn't fucking say where it's like, it's pretty, Ethan Hawke reads the letter and knows. I think, yeah, I think what is, the, knows. is there a letter? Like, I didn't catch the, the letter that he leaves. It's just a lock of his hair yeah, so that right. he can have more genetic material. But it's just like, I, yeah. I, it just felt bullshit to me. I don't yeah, know. I didn't love that part. The thing that is interesting to me about genetic engineering, like the ethics of genetic engineering, I think are not, the more I think about it, are not really explored in this movie. Because the it seems like the central theme of this movie is like, well, this is actually, you know, you can't really predict that much with this. And so, therefore, to use it, you know, to kind of, like, determine people's past in life is stupid, right? 
Whereas like the thing that's kind of interesting to me about the ethics of genetic engineering is like when people are born, and let's say the state has limited resources, right? Then would you would you be in a situation where we direct those resources towards people who were like more likely to do something substantial with their lives or something, it's right? Like return on investment. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so then you then once you do, once you look at it that way, now you have like a real ethical dilemma where well, it's like okay, well those people are just going to now have be more likely to be successful in the right. rest of their lives right and the rest of their lives they're gonna get more resources directed towards them i don't know i feel like that that's a more interesting story to me that's a more interesting ethical dilemma to me is like do you allocate resources more towards the people who need them or more towards the people who are likely to use them to advance some abstract societal goal is that that's the Can dilemma I, that you find more interesting i'm, I'm just but i'm talking about allocation of resources as a function of genetic makeup but i think there there is a difference between like what is the moral quandary associated with actually editing genes and what is the quandary with allocating resources based on or making decisions based on what you think your understanding of genetic predispositions is yeah and i think that those two differences i mean that's the difference between you know gattaca and jurassic park Right, like Jurassic Park is a movie where it's like, is it right, right. to edit genes? Are we? F- that's true, and yeah, I'm not that interested so. in that. Yeah, I mean, let me let me kind of reframe that. I think I said it wrong. So, like, you, when you when you start watching this movie, it's obvious. It seems pretty obvious that it's not going to be a movie about like not playing God. Like, so I wasn't really looking right. for that in this movie. Yeah, right? which is reasonable. But the thing that I was more interested in is like, imagine a world in which you can predict, like, very well how likely someone is to be able to do this or that. The ethics of, of that kind of world are more interesting to me, right? Sure. In this kind of world, it seems like they almost hand wave it away. Like just say, well, it's just not accurate. So therefore you just can't use it, which is interesting in a different way because then you're talking about like the arbitrariness of like, you know, using certain rules to define like who gets to do things, right? But the yeah. question that I was more interested in is more like if you really can predict like how, how likely people are to be able to do things like very well, then what do you do? You know, yeah, what, that, what, are the, what are the ethics of that kind of world? You know, and the movie didn't really end up, I think, being that. Well, yeah, true. Sort of. That's really interesting. I, I agree. Uh, yeah. So let's throw it to endorsements. <laughs> On that note. On that note, <laughs> what do you got, Alan? Sam? Swamp Thing. Swamp, Swamp thing? thing? Really? I love it. Wait, is it a show? It's a new one that just came out. On huh. what channel? It's on DC Universe, so no what? channel. Oh, what do you mean? Like they have their own streaming platform. Really? Is it yeah. a cartoon? I saw oh, an no, ad no. for it recently. Yeah. I mean, do you guys remember the show from the nineties? Kind thing of. Show? No. It was one of my favorites. Huh. I mean, it was so campy, but I I really enjoyed the aesthetic of it. And the new one is like, also got that same weird swampy vibe. Well, he does live in a swamp. He sure does. All right. Let's watch it. Something cool. I have, I have a okay. I have a small endorsement, uh, which is um, a YouTube series called Number File, which can be kind of interesting. Huh. You might like it, Sam. It's like it's, a number theory. Yeah, yeah. It's just math stuff. Yeah, it's just <laughs> math. Asher, stuff, you're yeah. a fucking philistine. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they do a derivation of it's. I think it's called the Ramanujan identity. Okay. Which is that the sum of all natural numbers is equal to negative 1 over 12. Sum of all natural numbers is equal to... To negative 1 over 12. Well, that's not true. (laughs) 
it's not true, but it's true in I've a sense. Yeah, and it's a fairly common logical fallacy that people use, right? It's like it ends up you're canceling out infinity or something like that. And then well, it's not really a, fa- <laughs> it's not really a fallacy. It's more like so it actually gets used in uh, QFT. Okay. So it's sort of like I think the and I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, but I think the point is that um, there is some space in which you can map. Uh, there's a way in which you can map divergent series to finite numbers or assign them finite values mm-hmm. in a consistent way. And when mm-hmm. you do that, the sum of natural numbers becomes negative one over 12 and other divergent series have other values, right? And uh-huh. so in QFT, sometimes you're renormalizing uh, infinite, infinite series, you're renormalizing infinities, right? right? And so in that, in that context, you can, you can map the sum of natural numbers to negative one over 12 and map other, infinity is to other values so in, like a, his, in a consistent way. So his technique is meaningful and useful, even though it yields an obviously false result in that context. Yeah. It basically, I would say the equal sign isn't a real equal sign. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like at infinity, the limit of the sum approaches or like at infinity of infinities. Like if we invert the whole line, turn Uncountable it inside infinity. out, move where we're standing, tear everything into bits and then put it all back together then at the limit of that process <laughs> i mean the the description that i saw is basically just like you know you can imagine that you have some <laughs> have some process which removes infinities <laughs> from yeah. divergent series right, right? and yeah. when you do that then you get negative one over 12 that's interesting yeah All right. i'm still trying out. to because another thing that i saw is that like if you look at the um the the partial sums of the sum of natural numbers mm-hmm. is equal to n times n plus one over two, right? right? Yeah. And so if you look at that function, uh, uh, x times x plus one over two, and look at it from x equals negative infinity to infinity, that function actually goes negative for negative x, right? Which right. is not the f- space that you're doing the sum in, mm-hmm. but it goes negative for negative x. And if you look at the um, the area under the curve of the negative part is negative one over 12. And apparently <laughs> this is related somehow. Okay. <laughs> number Interesting file? to me right now. Like number, like a file of numbers or a person who likes numbers? Yeah, the, the latter. The second one. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'm going to recommend my vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Dude, that sucks. It's a Dyson. That really sucks. It's awesome. It was, it was cheap because nobody wanted the one that was fuchsia. So I bought the one that was fuchsia. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. I'm sorry. I'm a fucking Philistine. No, my endorsement this week is. Wait, um, that was a great that endorsement. Was I think I'm going to buy one. Oh, you should. It's <laughs> awesome. I mean, I, my carpet has never been this clean. It's awesome. I I don't see moths in my house because they're not laying eggs in my carpet. I didn't vacuum this week, but it's <laughs> amazing. Oh God, I love this thing so much. Um, I yeah, need, and also I need a vacuum cleaner. That much ado so about nice. yeah, it's it's small i'll show it to you it's handheld it was 250 bucks oh. and it works like wow cool yeah um that and shakespeare in the parks production of much ado about nothing it's free Ooh. it's in new york go so see it on? yeah it's still on till like i think june 26th or something like mm, that that's a good birthday present for sam yeah and it's so good um yeah, it's got Tasty from Orange is the New Black in it as uh, Beatrice. And it's maybe one of the best productions of any Shakespeare that I've seen ever. And I have seen a fair amount. So, yeah. I like that endorsement better than your vacuum cleaner endorsement. That's what I'm saying. 
Dope. All right, guys. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Asher Lack. At Hallie Affiliate. That's Alan. Um, Alan's really jazzed because Sean Carroll <laughs> tweeted at us this week. And uh, yeah, yeah, Sean, we love One you. Word. Come on the show. Uh, we'll was kick it, it. Was it yes or thanks? Thanks. thanks. Yeah. Exclamation point. Um, you can follow yeah. Sam at Case of Piles. You but can don't. follow Raph, who's not here, at Have a Cool Penis. But and you don't. can follow the show <laughs> at uh, at Robot House Pod, and it's spelled H A U S. And do that. All right. Awesome. Until next time, guys. Thanks so much. Adios. Bye. Bye.